Welcome to the HR Chat Podcast, bringing the best of the HR, talent, and leadership communities to you. For more episodes and the latest articles covering what's new in the world of work, visit hrgazette.com, subscribe and follow us on social media. Welcome to another episode of the HR Chat Show. I'm your host today, Bill Bannum. And in this episode, we're going to ask, why is the business case for diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging more important than ever? And how can HR pros and leaders get it right? My awesome guest today is Jennifer Morris, an expert in the fields of diversity, inclusion, leadership, and talent development. And she works with a wide range of clients, helping them to understand the value of diverse talent and then designing and implementing strategies to achieve that. Jen's research and writing has been published by Forbes, HR Magazine, HR Director Magazine, the International Labour Organization, Business Disability Forum, Fair Play Talks, and Diversity Q. All sound great, but they're not the HR Gazette, but don't worry, we're fixing that today. Hey, Jen, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Bill. It's great to be here. So, Jen, beyond my wee introduction there, why don't you start by taking a minute or two and introducing yourself to our audience and telling them a wee bit about your career background? Perfect. Thank you. Um, so dialing back uh, many years now, I undertook a an undergraduate degree focusing on business and HR. And I wrote my undergraduate research in equal opportunities, as it was called then. And I think that lit a bit of a fire in my belly back then. And actually, then that became a real focus on my whole career, both in-house. So I worked for 20 years in-house in organisations and held a number of global diversity and inclusion roles. Roles. Um, and then since then, since sort of finishing my in-house career, I've worked, as you said, in lots of different clients in lots of different industries in the UK, globally, really just helping them bring to life intersectional inclusion. Wonderful. Thank you very much. Now then, uh, you're, you're a chartered fellow of the CIPD. And for our audience in the US and Canada, I wondered perhaps if you can talk a little bit about that organization, the CIPD, the work that they do to improve the HR field in the UK and elsewhere. Yes, certainly. So the CIPD is the professional body, the professional organisation for HR and people development. Um, it's a UK based organisation, but they do have global members, about 160,000 members around the world. And they have a purpose, which is championing better work and working lives. So this is an organisation that I've been part of and became qualified with um, because frankly who can argue with that as a as a as an objective and certainly in the world that I now work in and focus on in diversity equity inclusion and belonging having better work and better working lives is absolutely core to that excellent thank you I, I know that on another pod that I'm involved with uh, for hrreview.co.uk they have featured folk from the CIPD I've had folk on this show from the HRPA, which is the Canadian equivalent, and uh, and Sherm, of course, which is in the US. But I'm yet to have anybody from the CIPD. Um, so uh, if you're listening, CIPD folks, uh, give me a call. Let, let, let's have a chat. Hey, Jen, now I'd love for you to tell me a little bit about Holt EF and how it helps HR pros and leaders. Absolutely. So Holt EF Corporate Education helps organizations and leaders develop critical skills attitudes and behaviours that they need to be fit for the future. And 
frankly, we all look into the future and it's becoming vastly more ambiguous and complex than perhaps it was certainly at the beginning of my career. So it, it's really helpful, I think, to people in their practical day-to-day -day work in HR, so HR professionals, but also the, the leaders and the managers and the talented future um, leaders that come through organisations to help them get ready for that. I think particularly in the fields that we're talking about today, so in diversity, equity, inclusion and belonging, they have leadership development programmes which focus and emphasise those skills particularly. So things around inclusive leadership, inclusive behaviour, psychological safety, how to create cultures of belonging, and also through using diverse pools of executive coaches to support people in really being able to cope with the unique challenges that leaders face. The days of matching web keyword searches with resumes and job descriptions is over. It's all about cultural fit. Workzinger empowers job seekers looking for jobs and employers looking for new hires to have thoughtful and insightful conversations, making the recruiting process more successful for both sides. Learn more at workzinger.com. This word belonging, Jen, uh, mm -hmm. why, 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 why is that important? On this show, we often uh, refer to uh, the acronym DEI, not necessarily DEIB. Why do you guys focus so so much on on the B on the belonging? I love this question. So the, this is um, I, I completely empathise because actually the acronym and the the language of this field has changed so much and continues to evolve. But actually, the emphasis on belonging is really as an outcome and as an end goal and sort of the holy grail, if you like, of DEI. So just to kind of quickly. Um, step through what each of those mean. So diversity is really the, the facts about us. So those are our characteristics, our lived experience, um, our identities, both things that we're, in, we're born with, things that are inherent to us and things that we acquire over our lifetime. Equity is really about a choice in the process that we take in organisations so that we're actually going to create equality and fairness Inclusion is in our behaviour, so it's the way that we speak and act, the things that we do. Um, so it's really choiceful, a really active word. And then belonging is the outcome, it's the result of those things. And actually in the report that we're, we're going to be talking about a little bit, belonging is in the centre of the Venn diagram. So actually it's at the heart of those other three um, elements coming together as the result. Love that answer. Thank you very much. And you, you mentioned just a second ago that there is a report that we're going to talk about. And we're going to do that right now. Um, ah. In fact, you, you, you've, you've recently worked with Holt EF on creating a new report, uh, DEIB in Action. Take some time now, Jen, please, and tell us a little bit about the report. Fantastic. Thank you. So the purpose of this report is really to provide strategies to inspire and embed change in organisations in this um, arena. So it will guide leaders and enable them to turn ideas and thoughts actually into action to create results. It's um, It's been a really fantastic thing to work on because it pulls together um, as you would expect, best practice from recent research carried out by Holt EF subject matter experts. So the real theory behind it, that kind of that underpinning of, um, of research. And then it talks also about the combined perspectives of 
global industry figures. So people who work in this field, who um, lead in it, who actually have had to do this in their own organisations. So it brings together then that, well, so what? How do we bring this to life? How do we take it into action? And how do we get great results in DEIB? The Jovio platform enables businesses to buy, manage, and track recruitment media. This includes job sites, social, and search marketplaces to attract and hire the most relevant applicants on time and within their budget. Powering more than 20 million jobs every day, our data-driven recruitment advertising platform uses advanced data science and machine learning to dynamically manage and optimize talent sourcing and applications across all online channels while providing real-time insights at every step of the job seeker journey. Learn more at jovio.com. Excellent. And I will be asking you before we wrap up today, how our listeners can find that report. Um, and, and of course, there will be a link in the show notes, listeners, but we'll get to that in a little while. Um, okay, so we're living through uh, somewhat interesting times at the moment, Jen. And um, uh, certainly for the UK, the, the economic forecast isn't looking fantastic for the next four to five quarters. Um, and you might say, well, perhaps the, the emphasis in 2023 in the UK and, and several other countries is going to be more on um, just keeping one's job, you know, not being laid off. Why would you say, however, that the business case for DEIB is more vital now than, than ever before and, and it shouldn't be put to one side? Mm. Oh, great question. So I, um, dialing back uh, again, kind of right back to the beginning of my career, the, the emphasis on in this field was very much about legality. It was about um, there is protective legislation in place and good looks like not falling foul of that. Um, there was also an element of social equity. So this sense of this is the right thing to do. So this is why we might focus on that. You dial forward to where we are now, and we now have um, really clear and compelling research, which shows that there is a, a whole range, there are a whole range of commercial benefits of DEIB. Those range from things like um, creativity, innovation, um, increased agility, so that the ability of teams to pivot. They also um, evidence that actually we're better collectively as diverse thinkers at horizon scanning for risk and then managing that risk. So there are a number of commercial reasons why the combination of diversity, so diversity of thought, diversity of characteristic and an inclusive culture that unlocks the potential of that actually creates good business outcomes. Now, as you say, in with any kind of um, backdrop, particularly sort of a volatile economic backdrop, there is a real laser focus in organisations about what's going to get us through this. How are we going to survive as well as thrive? And actually having the ability to innovate, to be creative, to manage risk are all really important factors in navigating that. I would also say as well that it's particularly important that we don't lose our focus on DEIB, despite the fact that there is this kind of external volatility and complexity to navigate, because the things that have been achieved in DEIB are not 
given. They are not um, sort of in the bank and done. So we think about, um, you know, maybe we've got to a certain point of social equity and we can't possibly go back from that. We can. Actually, this isn't a linear and progressive journey. It doesn't just go in one direction. Actually, legislation and attitudes and cultures change over time. And people's people's rights and their, um, the, their, the inclusion they might feel in an organisation can still be eroded. We can lose what we've already gained. So I think that's why we need to not keep our, you know, we need to keep our eye on the ball with this one and not get distracted and not think about this as something that isn't critical to business success because it is. Okay, so I get it, Jen. DEIB is uh, vital. It's terribly important. Um, it's also pretty tough to get right. Is, is that correct? It is. It certainly is. And um, over the time that I've worked with now sort of hundreds of different organisations, there are things that theme noticed over time are the kind of commonly occurring reasons why this is so challenging. Um, and I've got three that I'd love to share. Um, there's sort of my convenient buckets that I have in my mind of what's going on here and why is this so difficult. The first one is that DEIB is complex and in organizations we all like a clear answer and a simple solution and a silver bullet that's going to kind of fix problems um, but in this arena there's really no single problem and there's no single solution that will kind of create an easy route forward for any one problem either so every organization basically encounters their own set of challenges in DIB and the initiatives or the approaches that certain organisations take won't necessarily be helpful or fix the problem in another organisation. So it's not as simple as a kind of a lift and drop. It's not as simple as, uh, you know, patching something in, a, in technology. It's actually really complex because it's part of the human dynamic. So that complexity is really difficult to, to pick apart for organisations to understand well, what are the opportunities for us here and what are the risks. DEIB can also be um, controversial and I would say that increasingly, certainly over the period of my career, it's, it's just getting more and more so. Organisations are now being held publicly accountable for their so-called successes and failures in this field. So it becomes quite difficult for organisations to think, well, we'll just experiment with this and see if it works or we'll just begin um, and try, try to see if we can make some improvements because actually they're, they're, you know, they're really being held to account. Historically, this accountability often came, as I said, from legislation. So actually, we, there were some guardrails in place. And as long as we stayed within them, we, we were likely to be OK. But I would say that increasingly it's um, members of the public and customers and activists, both employee activists and, and kind of uh, social activists who are more and more vocal about what organisations are doing or what they're not doing. So actually, it's not an option just to do nothing because you'll get called out for that too. So it, it has this controversy wrapped around it. And finally, DEIB is emotive because we are talking about our characteristics, our identities, our lived experience. It's highly personal and sensitive territory for people to talk about. And because of that, because we're all unique in those experiences, employees 
have a spectrum of opinions and that's what organizations are trying to navigate this spectrum of opinions from you know at one end people thinking we should be doing way more in DEIB than we are to the other end of the spectrum where people are saying this has got nothing to do with work why are you asking me about my characteristics so and everything in between so organizations are having to go through that emotive territory when they're trying to get strategies in place Okay, Jen, so I, I, I get it. And uh, I'm sure lots of uh, leaders and HR pros listening out there today uh, get it too now. But um, before we before we ask you to maybe offer a few practical tips that uh, organizations can take on their own DIB journeys, uh, let's let's talk a little bit about what can go wrong, shall we? What, what common pitfalls do you see coming up when organizations are getting started on their DIB journey? So I think there's something that's peculiar to this point in time, which is that if organisations are starting out now, they are looking over their shoulders at what other organisations have already done. And I think they feel that there's they're behind they've got behind the curve. So something, a a common pitfall is actually that the organisations panic. They think there's this big thing called DEIB and we need to do something about it, but we don't know what. Um, So they kind of rush into it without sufficiently defining their why. And often when I'm working with organisations, I kind of talk about the range of whys. So why why is this important in organisations? What are all the various business cases that there can be? Why we should all think seriously about this and be considered? But actually, the right answer to that is the right answer for that organisation. It's their why. It's not someone else's. And actually, I think organizations can rush through that careful consideration and definition of what that is. Um, I've seen organizations, for example, spend more time and money thinking about how they're going to brand their DEIB efforts and what should the strap line be and, you know, what kind of lanyards should we have printed because, you know, we want to have rainbow lanyards. You know, organizations get into that detail without really thinking about what is authentic to our business about this. I think another common pitfall is that organisations see um, other companies doing things and they pick up and drop those um, initiatives without having clear intention. So they think, oh, there's something, there's some shiny, um, sparkly solution over there and I'll pick it up and I'll drop it into my organisation with with an expectation that it's going to fix things or create opportunities in DEIB. And then it doesn't quite work. It doesn't quite fit. And I also think that organisations can be quite, um, a a common pitfall is they can be quite scattergun. So it's just sort of like, let's just do loads of activity without, again, being really focused about what they're trying to achieve. And I want to just say that I know this sounds, um, that sounds quite negative. um, And I'm not saying any of that with the intention of um, of judgment at all, because it's, this is a really complex field, as as I've already talked about, and this certainly is brought to life in, in the report that we're sharing. It's really just, I'm sharing those things as common pitfalls so that we can then be thoughtful and not, and step over those uh, pitfalls rather than falling into them. Well, absolutely. And I, I completely agree with you. Um, in fact, I've sp- spoken to many leaders on, on this show who um uh, certainly, <laughs> certainly, when we're not recording, they they have they have admitted to me that uh, while they've put DEIB 
uh, initiatives in place, the budgets for those efforts uh, are still sitting there and they're not being spent because there's still lots of uh, head scratching and so on. And that's mm. pretty disappointing, you know, a couple mm. of years on from from the death of George Floyd, for example, and companies are still getting their act together. It's that's pretty sad. Anyway, uh, this is not uh, me answering questions. It's you answering questions. So let's go back <laughs> to you. <laughs> um, OK, so those are the pitfalls. Let, let's uh, as we look to wrap up today's interview um what what are some of the practical actions some of your top tips that organizations can can take and and excel with their deib efforts fantastic so i am i always have a really pragmatic mindset particularly having worked in-house myself and i love to get to the so what so here we are the first is um with some um, light plagiarism of Stephen Covey's uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, start with the end in mind. So take the time to think as an organisation about what's our authentic why, why does this matter to us and what does good look like? So if we're talking about in three years time, you know, we aspire to X, Y, and Z, what does that look like? How will we know we've got there? And, you know, it, what measures can we put in place so that we know we're going to achieve our aspiration? So start with the end in mind is the first one. I think then moving back from that, it's creating really targeted intentional plans about how you're going to get from where you are at the, the start line to your you know three-year aspiration to your end line. So rather than just picking up lots of different shiny things and putting them in place, actually being really planful and intentional. And I would say that being able to do that means that you do have to have that infrastructure in place around DEIB. So, you know, exactly as you say, you do need to have budget in place. You do need it to be resourced with people who can bring this to life and with professional expertise. Now, I would say that, obviously, being, <laughs> being a professional in this field, I would say that that's important. But I also think that can be a bit of a pitfall for organisations because they can depend on people volunteering their time, which always then puts DEIB on the side of someone's desk. Actually, this needs to be led by people who for whom this is a really serious focus. I would also then say, once we've got our end in mind and we we know the steps we need to take from where we're where we're journeying, where we're starting from to our end goal, we then need to bring people with us. And I think particularly in two ways, this is important. We need to focus carefully on communication. And if organisations are clear about what DEIB means to them, that means that they can communicate really clearly and compellingly with their with their teams, with their colleagues over time. And the second way that we need to bring people along is to educate them. We need to help people with this. It is difficult, it's hard to navigate, and it's fearful for people, which then means that we stop talking about it because we're too scared about getting it wrong. So we need to educate our leaders in inclusive leadership so they understand what that is to role model it and to do it. And we need to educate colleagues in what belonging looks like, what psychological safety is, and actually what inclusive colleague behavior is. So those are the steps that I would recommend and the practical actions that I think lots of organisations adopt when they do this well. Wonderful. Thank you, Jen. Jen, I was just about to ask you um, my final question about learning more and about the the, the action report and things. But uh, you mentioned something there that I just have to pick up on. You mentioned mm. that often organisations rely on uh, essentially volunteers. So mm. I, I'd, I'd love to get your take on on the role of 
uh, ERGs, em employee resource groups in strategizing and mm. implementing these sorts of initiatives? Are, are, are they useful? Do they actually hinder the process because they slow it down? Um, these are often voluntary groups. But where, where do you sit on, on ERGs? Yeah, I, so I think they can be incredibly useful. I think they can be powerhouses, actually. And I don't just mean that in terms of, you know, resource, so hands on deck of people who are prepared to do things. But I also think in terms of genuine lived experience and insight into particular characteristics, identities, or historically discriminated against or marginalised groups, it really enables organisations to um, listen up to those experiences and again where you have a really good and strong relationship with ERGs in organisations to actually then propose well how do we do this better? They can be used and be part of a really constructive um, organisational and cultural development. What's really critical is again that they are set up well. So there's a clear framework of how are we going to work together? What's everyone's mandate here? And what's the accountability that we have? And then they are resourced to actually take action. So something that can be very frustrating for ERGs and then for organisations wrapping around them is when they really don't have a clear mandate that they're able to do things, to really constructively do things, because then it just turns into a whole load of talking and not enough walking. And that's what's really helpful about ERGs is that they can be real powerhouses of activity. I think I've just found my subtitle for this podcast episode, a whole lot of talking and not enough walking. Love it. Okay. <laughs> uh, Jen, before we wrap up for today, perhaps you can tell our listeners how they can connect with you. So maybe that's through LinkedIn. Maybe you want to share your email address. Maybe you're super cool and you're all over TikTok, Instagram, um, uh, <laughs> Twitter places no, like I'm that. <laughs> also, so absolutely love to connect with people on, on LinkedIn, uh, uh, Jennifer Morris. And also um, you can email me directly, jennifer.morris at ef.com. Beautiful. And what about Holt EF and of course the, the Holt EF DEIB in action report? How, how can they learn more about the company and the report? So um, I can just give you the landing page, which again, I imagine you'll include in the notes. So holtef.com forward slash D-E-I-B and the white paper will be downloadable there. And also lots of other information about the ways in which Holt EF can support people and organisations with D-E-I-B. So again, the things that I alluded to, so leadership development work, uh, diverse pools of executive coaches, language training solutions, all of that information will be there too. Excellent. Uh, and by the way, listeners, um, outside of the, the main recording today, I did comment uh, to Jen that she's got an amazing voice and she should totally do more podcasts. So um, I think you should pursue that. And if I can help in any way, Jen, do let me know. But that just Thank you me so much. I don't <laughs> want to be accused of too much talking, though, and not enough walking. <laughs> 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 that's a great place to leave this uh, conversation for today so i'm just going to say to you jen thank you so much for being my guest on this episode of the hr chat show pleasure thank you very much for having me and listeners as always until next time happy working thanks for listening to this episode of the hr chat podcast there are hundreds of conversations with business experts available for free on the hr gazette website apple spotify and all the main platforms and remember to like, subscribe and follow us on social media.